Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True Believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. And... Even though you won't hear this for a little bit, you, you know, you've heard from my previous last week that we are right smack in the middle of um, this, I don't know what to call it anymore, COVID-19, let's play it safe. So, you know, it, nobody will like be offended, even though, you know, in my earlier shows, I've called it by what it is. But anyway, it doesn't really matter one way or the other really what we're talking about here is um I, i'm okay my family's okay uh i hope you're all okay depending on where you're at um it's it's a very um it's a first i'll tell you that much like i tell everybody i live i've lived in i, I grew up in i was born in south florida i grew up in south florida so and i've and i've had firsthand experience with natural disasters like talk about your house blowing off you know like like kansas like you know wizard of oz kind of it went somewhere I, i've lived through that and i've had that surreal moment where i've had the military in miami because after andrew in 92 the devastation was so huge and there was you know the infrastructure was so damaged especially in the southern part of miami-dade county that the military came in just to help because, and, and it was surreal. And at that time it was surreal. But I'm, what I'm saying is I've had that experience. Plus I grew up with it as a kid, you know, a hurricane and, and everything. And now, but this is the first for me. This is the, this is the first where you actually see movies and uh, shows. And I guess lately that we've gotten the gazillion million zombie versions of, you know, which of course is uh, some type of sickness or disease and illness 
that turns people into zombies, whatever. But, you know, and of course, everybody watches this because it's interesting, but always with that now, it's, it's oh, it's great entertainment. And luckily, of course, nothing is as severe or as way out as that. But I think a lot of people are really having this moment of pinch me, you know, what, you know, in a very, very short amount of time, we've gone from living life, you know, multitasking, like I say, depending on what's going on in your life. Hey, if you've got kids, if you've got a job, if you've got the gym, uh, yeah, and I'm, uh, I've got to go to, to do my groceries and pick up the prescription. You know, everybody's got their thing going on and I'm going to binge and we're having people over for a party and, and, you know, Super Bowl, whatever. And all of a sudden it went, what? It's over. And I think a lot of people are so surprised at how easily and how quickly everybody's life just went left. And uh, besides the fear, of course, that, you know, nobody wants to die uh, of, of what could happen. Because n now is that we're actually getting better numbers of exactly how, how it's affecting the populations, especially here in the United States. But at the very beginning when they were talking about it, that nobody knew what to expect. There was a lot of fear of the unknown, the unknown. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys are, uh, like I said, since I'm definitely spending a lot of time, you know, I've been doing a lot of farm work. Um, we've had a drought going on down here in South Florida, which means um, I have to be out there making sure my trees are watered. And like I said, and looking at the weather report every morning when I wake up and my chickens, and by the way, it's, I have a lot of people now that because of what's going on are knocking my door down, buying eggs to, to incubate because they want chickens or buying chicks. I mean, I, a couple of days ago, I sold a gentleman a hundred eggs, fertilized eggs. Most of, you know, most of them are fertilized. I know I have a very good hatch rate for my chickens. 100 eggs, he was going to incubate them. I guess he must have had one of these really large incubators. I mean, the last time I tried it, I had a 45 egg incubator. And that was, yeah, that was quite a task. But he bought 100 eggs. And he would have bought another 100 if I had them. I just didn't have them all at once. So a lot of people now are finding that either they had thought about doing it and they delayed it, or they're like, hey, none of this, I'm... I, I feel like I need to have chickens and eggs or whatever. I don't kill my chickens. Everybody knows I don't kill my chickens. I just use them for eggs, uh, you know, and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's people uh, are actually doing things that they thought about or have taken steps to alter their life even after this life normalizes, if that you can call it that. Again, like I, I said before, I think right what we're going through right now, people will always, everybody that's alive today, especially maybe not if you're a child so much, but if you're a little bit older, this everything will be before and after. This is like the a moment where everybody refers to it before this and then after this. And it's one of those uh, moments that, that there's no getting away from it. And normal... It's, it, it'll be, as much as I think a lot of things hopefully will be restored, I think there's a lot of things that never going to come back, unfortunately. Or fortunately, it depends. It depends on how I want to look at it. But anyway, 
let's get to the good part and let me tell you about who my guest is today. Uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Ryan Gable. He's a veteran radio personality and producer for his show, The Secret Teachings. His broadcast focuses on the synchronicity and objective analysis of alternative news, health, history, the paranormal, symbolism, the occult, esoteric, alchemy, magic, with a K, philosophy, and more in the most distinct ways by finding parallel and patterns often overlooked. Spending much of his life on air and having written several books, Ryan has also been a guest on dozens of other radio shows and has had his broadcast aired on a variety of networks, from WPRK and CBS to Dark Matters Radio, LNM, and The Fringe FM. He's also a frequent guest on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Kev Baker Show, which as a matter of fact, which is the first, that's where I heard Ryan, which he it was a great show. Um, he's a... Uh, Ryan and his secret teachings are not aligned with any specific ideology so that he may stay fluid with information as it is unveiled. So help me to welcome him to the show. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, I'm going good, Marlene. How are you? Great. Fantastic. So thrilled to have you on the show. And um, I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests uh, because I know that your interests are very wide and varied, but... Was this something that you were interested in from as a kid, or did you have a, a triggering event that turned you in this direction to be interested in this field? I'd say it's probably a series of triggering events like any other life experience or turning point. I've thought about that question in the last year because of all the interviews I've done. I've only been asked that question a few times, and the first person who asked me that question a few months ago the answer just kind of came to my my mind suddenly because it was right there i guess i realized well you know i guess the reason that i got interested i became interested in any subject from health to the paranormal to the occult is because i was interested in learning anything and everything out of high school but i didn't really want to participate in high school except for history class because I liked history. So I kind of started there after high school as a hobby, just learning things like that. I would grab history books. And so I started collecting books. And that was one triggering event, I suppose. I started collecting books and reading little segments of things here or there. And then I decided to go to film school because I enjoyed uh, writing. So I go to film school. And uh, while I'm in film school... I'm making friends with a few people. And this girl I made friends with, I would talk to her about things relating to aliens and, and whatnot. So she introduced me to this guy she knew who was very interested in all that. And she said, it's the only other person that I know who talks about things like you do. You guys would get along well. And turns out this guy had a radio show. It was in oh. Florida, in Orlando, uh, in Winter Park, Florida. And that's WPRK, the college radio station there. So long story short, I go down there. We do the show. Uh, and after that, he asked me to be a co-host. This was back in like 2010. So this was over a decade ago. And I wasn't really, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't someone who really spoke up above a, of a, a low, low sounding monotone voice. So I didn't say much, but again, long story short, he passed away, so I took over the show, Okay. and I had to figure out, okay, that might have been a mistake for me. I don't really know anything. 
and I have to talk for two hours once a week. So I started to devour books and I would take notes in books and I would take notes on pieces of paper and I would go in and I would do like presentation radio shows where I would present a topic and research on it. And over the years that developed into, the, I'd say the last five to six years I've been doing this professionally through three radio networks. Now I'm on the fringe FM mm-hmm. and I've started to develop, or started to develop five, six years ago, kind of my own brand. And from there on, I just started to, um, if I wasn't already learning about a particular field of study, I opened up to everything and I'll read books that are mainstream, alternative, in between. And I guess the answer to your question is I just like to learn and I accumulate information from every source that I can find and then quantify it from there. Great. Well, you know what? I, I understand it. I mean, I, personally, I've been in love with books since I was a kid. And... Um, the fiction stuff and then of course and you know you nowadays it's different because you know you've got the internet and you can basically find a book mm-hmm. instantly but uh yeah uh, my you, if you wanted to find me usually i was at the library somewhere so but, but but it was great you took up the challenge and you ran with it and it kind of like yeah it morphed into where you're at now uh, and there's some some let me ask you in this, um, is you, 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 like you said, you cover a large area of interest, uh, whether it's, you know, the occult, the paranormal, the alternative news, uh, symbolism, you know, so, which by the way, I, I, I've had heard of symbolism, but after I started looking into it, it's really incredible how much there is if you just know where to look or what to look for. Yeah, it's um, fascinating. It's, it's really like, wow, uh, that is, that's incredible. And it's almost like right there in front of you, but people don't, you overlook it because it's, uh, you just don't, you don't know what you're looking for. It's like, no, you know, you, sometimes we're very naive, especially as audiences, depending on what it is, um, that, and, and, you know, uh, my background is in mental health and, and I'm, I consider myself a subconscious behaviorist and I understand how easily sometimes when things, information, images, sounds, music are fed into the subconscious, how it will affect the conscious as in, you know, buying decisions, behavior, uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, and even the symbol symbolism, your subconscious mind will pick up on it. And will yes. interpret it. And people don't realize that. Yeah, colors, animals, insects, mm-hmm. plants, anything and everything can be a symbol or can be representative of uh, some symbolic meaning. I always, and I had to learn this over the years by myself. No one ever taught this to me. And I never really learned it in a book. It was just something that I kind of picked up from studying subjects pertaining to everything from mythology to the deeper depths of occultism which deal in spirituality and theology and anthropology and things of that nature Mm -hmm. but if you just take something really simple like if you were to take a pen or pencil and a blank piece of paper and just draw a straight line on it and if you have that line vertical that's called the yoni 
and if you have, or it could be the phallus, and then if you have the other line, you draw another line to the side of it, pointing towards it, then you get the phallus or the yoni. So those two lines that intersect each other to create a cross represent the male and the female principle. So it creates a it creates a cross, which is also the element that is uh, extracted from the zodiac wheel, where you have the Celtic cross, where the solar disk is in the center of it, and that's where we get a lot of Christian iconography. Yes. But if you take you take that symbol, so you have the cross, the lowercase t, and I always thought this was really cool. So if you turn it and you make an X out of it, the yoni and the phallus, the female and the male. Ca- points that meet you turn it and make an x well with that x you have the very top which is the v and that v is the female and then the bottom is the phallus and that's the male and then if you impose those over each other you get the seal of solomon and out of the seal of solomon comes the four elements right so you've got the triangle the pyramid that goes up that's the phallus that's fire but then when you draw a line at the top of it, up in the air, that gives you the symbol for air. And then when you have the V for water, for the womb, for the woman, you draw a line at the bottom of that, you get the symbol near the ground for earth. So you have all four elements in those, in those very, very few lines. Plus you have probably one of the most powerful symbols in all religion, the cross, and you have the X, as in the X marks the spot. All of that from a few lines on a piece of paper. To me, that's what esotericism really is. It's the, the symbolic nature behind something so simple or something so complex. And it opens, it, it, it allows for an expansion of thought and consciousness by realizing two lines can represent all of that information in such a condensed form. That's, what it, that's what's always been fascinating to me. Right. And, and this is the thing people don't understand. You know, when, when we see these uh, novels from Dan Brown, uh, you know, about symbolism, you know, you always think Hollywood, but uh, a lot, it's, if, if you knew what, how to interpret it, what you just described, sometimes this was used for the, for the, for a message, in other words, or symbolism to, for, to demarcate certain places, certain things, uh, whether you want to use it as a, a sign or the actual, if, if you want to go and you think that there, it, there is, how can I say this? That has some pa- uh, power as a sigil, in other words. Yeah. That it's not just a marking, all right? You know, not like, okay, I'm going to mark this here and that's it. It's just that there is some actual power that lies in the sigil itself. Once you, let's say, whether you engrave it on stone or in earth or whatever, however it is, uh, because as you know that there's a lot of those um there's a lot of symbolism of and i don't want to say but lines how's that you know we always think of paintings and something very complicated but i think the earliest representations were very simple as far as, as for hidden meanings uh, certain and you find that you find that incorporated in paintings and architecture yes. and if even if you took something like a rose, you know, we often think and associate a rose with love mm-hmm. or sexuality, but depending on what color the rose is, it's going to have different 
meanings. It could be it could be yellow, it could be white, it could represent friendship, or it could represent purity. That's why the rose was used in the Beauty and the Beast, because the rose has traditionally, for many societies, been considered a symbol of uh, initiation. So it's the process by which in the Beauty and the Beast, the beast, who's a beast being turned into this monster, but he really was a prince, mm-hmm. represents the soul. And then the soul, because he's confronted with beauty, named bell, as in a bell ringing, mm-hmm. and in music is harmony, and it's through harmony and bell that calms the beast, the animal desire. And if he can find love and true love, then he has the ability to transform back and the rose petals are decaying in the, in the story. Right. So that, 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 uh, well, they made it into a live action movie, but that story, the original beauty and the beast story or something like snow white or sleeping beauty, all of these stories incorporate these very ancient mythologies and archetypes and, uh, um, symbolic representations of the transformation of the soul but it incorporates it and then translates it over centuries to generations that see it just as a fun story but that's what ensures that the story is passed on from generation to generation i I always kind of think of the um you ever seen the movie national treasure i'm sorry which one national treasure yes yeah remember um the woman, her name, I think, is Abigail, and they're yes. looking at the dec- their Declaration of Independence, and I think she said it, but they had the map on the back of the Declaration, and she said, like, a, a document of that significance would ensure that the map would survive, and that's kind of what I think where you have Beauty and the Beast of these other, these other stories. Uh, something simple like that, but something such a part of the culture ensures that the elements and the symbols within the story will translate from generation to generation orally without even having to be written down and if you understand what those elements are within the story you can extract a whole nother meaning from it including by the way if you ever um you ever read about frank Baum and the wizard of oz and what all the characters represent no i mean i've heard that there was a lot of symbolism but not with exactly if if you want to share go into that i would love to hear about that yeah, some people might go into very, very deep detail, but there, there's an economic and political aspect to it. But that could be extracted from anything, obviously. The the key element, because Frank Baum was a member of, I believe he was a member of the Golden Dawn, among other various secret societies, which is the foundation for Western occultism. And Frank Baum incorporated into the story, you've got the lion, which is the animal body. You've got the tin man, the mineral body, and then you have the scarecrow, which is the vegetable body. And so the Rosicrucians, for example, talk about the various bodies of the the elemental body or the elemental kingdom, the mineral body or the mineral kingdom, the plant body or the plant kingdom, and then you have the animal body or the animal kingdom, then you have humans, and then you have demigods, and you have gods, and they break it into levels of existence physically and then levels of spirituality or levels of consciousness they call it the seven spheres of consciousness so those elements are incorporated likewise into the wizard of oz and obviously the man behind the curtain 
all of those kinds of archetypes and symbols. That's what makes those stories powerful because at a deep core level, kind of like the subconscious that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. human beings on a soulful level understand what is being, they might not comprehend it consciously, but that's why we love those stories because it has that purpose and that meaning behind it and it speaks to our soul. At least that's how I see it. Yes. Yes, and, and that is how your subconscious speaks to you. It speaks to you in symbols. Now, if you tell somebody the word trash can, you don't see the, the word. You see a trash can. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that's why when sometimes people have those really weird way out dreams of places and people that they don't recognize. And it's, sometimes it's just your subconscious trying to talk to you in a certain symbol. And uh, I tell everybody, you know, sometimes when you see these books about dream interpretation, and I say, that can only take so far. You take, let's say, a tiger. To one person, they are afraid of a tiger. It's something that's going to devour them. To another person, the symbol of the tiger is an animal that's beautiful and powerful. And in other words, it's a different symbol depending on the person's subconscious, what their emotional makeup is. So symbolism also has a, a uniqueness, even though I agree with you what you're saying, that there's a universal uh underpinnings to it and of course we filter it and based on your life experiences uh how open you are there's there's people that are very guarded as far as their subconscious they're uh, for lack of a better word sometimes what we call the analyticals and then there's other people that are more open i mean it, it there's a whole host of things but what you mentioned you know everything changed even though those stories like i'm i'm sure a lot of people have heard a lot of these well-known fairy or you know fairy tales when you look at the original version they were quite dark and then of course they tamed them down and once they that they started what what hollywood started producing them like the wizard of oz they couldn't they they had to make it in a certain way where it was entertaining how's that so that, and and if anybody has seen The Wizard of Oz, I'm sure most people would not understand or, or think of what you just described as far as what was the meaning of the Tin Man and the, the Lion and, uh, you know, and everything. You know, the, the wizard, the, 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 you know, everybody always thinks that the only meaning of that story was that... It's, it's that, that he was not really a wizard. In other words, everybody was afraid of something that really wasn't scary to begin with. And then, then of course, she goes back to uh, to Kansas, and that's that. But, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, and and I, from what I understand, there's a lot of other uh, stories that Hollywood has produced that also has a lot of hidden symbolism based on sometimes really very ancient teachings or schools of mysteries and things of that nature. Um yeah, we're always, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, what was it the other day that, um, what was, I can't remember what the movie was, that they were, they were dissecting it and talking about all the symbolism hidden it. And I was like, man, I, I thought I was pretty good on catching stuff, but what, <laughs> that's really unusual. Um, yeah, well, I think what happens, there's, there's, there's a very unfortunate element that goes into a, a, an extremism, and that's today. A lot of people that maybe are well-intentioned, but I think more often than not, 
attempt to create clickbait content online will look for things that they can extract out of movies or television, etc. That's what bothers me about, like, for for years, I and uh, some other people I know, including um, Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Mm -hmm. Radio Show out of Portland, Oregon, we've been doing shows where we've, in, in as objective as a way possible, analyzed Super Bowl halftime shows and things like that. And there's a an entertaining, fun aspect to it. But you can also kind of use it as an oracle to determine what the major themes of the, of the coming year will be. And that, that kind of turned into everybody thinking that a triangle is an Illuminati devil symbol. And people use words like that, Illuminati, devil, satanic. And it kind of just takes you back to the, 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 the basic element of, of a symbol and what you mentioned a moment ago. And that's people filter it through their own lens. So if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. And for one person, the the pentagram might be a positive symbol of protection, mm-hmm. which it is for most Earth-based religions. Right. And in the symbol of the four elements and the fifth rising out of the four, consciousness rising out of the four corners of the material world. And for others, it's a very evil symbol. But it's still neutrally present. It's the perception of the viewer that changes the meaning of it and that's the whole basis of magic it's the intention behind the user that determines whether something is good or bad in that context absolutely absolutely most people don't realize that anybody that that's uh a, a very well versed in any magical practice you know if you look there's a lot of these Depending, you know, get the candle this color and do that here and do that there. And they don't realize that intent really, it, all that is, it's a guide intent. And that once you're very well versed and you know how to channel your intent, you really don't need any of these other things around you. You know, certain things, yes. People don't realize a lot of it is just, it's just there to, 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 to guide the, the ones that need that visual aid uh, in, in directing their intent. Uh, and it, again, it could be different for depending on the person, what the symbol stands for them, what their belief system is. Uh, and of course, obviously the intent, what is, what is it that they want to either manifest or have it, even if it's, if it's in existence, bring it to where they're at. I mean, we could go in so many directions with that. But let me ask you something real quick. Now that you, we were talking about this thing with, with Hollywood, did you ever see um, a movie came out a couple of years ago called Ex Machina? I did see that, yes. Okay. And the reason why I bring that up is I I went to see it and I was intrigued because it was one of the few robot movies that made robots scary. How's that? Um, because, you know, I'm sure that you've seen a lot of the dystopian you know, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, uh, different versions, you know, there's from cartoons to uh-huh. action films where uh, robotic robots help are helpful or, of course, the integration of humans with robotics, that, that melding, okay? And one of the things about Ex Machina was that the subject, for those of you, I don't want to be a spoiler, is that it kind of had a very negative um, how can I say conclusion as to what happens between humans and robotics 
well, you know, not not like like uh, set almost something that looks human like. You know how susceptible we are. How's that? Um, and I wanted to ask you, what what do you think as far as um, do you think that all this stuff that we've gotten, I wanted what since God since Lost in Space? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as um, robotics, uh, you know whether they help you uh, or not. Uh, what our future is? Yeah, well, I, I wrote a book called The Technological Elixir. Mm-hmm. It's called, the subtitle is Invoking AI or Summoning AI. talks okay. about black goo and a few other things. But in that book, I, I addressed that question. And I tried to do so in a very neutral and objective way. Okay. Because clearly and obviously, for those who like to use hashtags like science is real i get it science is is a is an observation and there are various fields of science so people use talking points whether they're pro or anti something so science technology whatever term you want to apply to it is greatly beneficial it allows us to communicate hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away it allows people with severe injuries to be Um, recuperated people that have even something as simple as a prosthetic limb that's not mechanical so technology provides us with very positive things that make our lives easier and that's understandable I think most people would agree with that however it's kind of like the other night I was cooking I cook dinner every single night because I I love food and I love health and learning new things so I'm cooking dinner the other night and depending on how long, of course, you cook an onion, you can, you know, steam it or you can saute it. Mm-hmm. Um, or like anything, regardless of what you're cooking, if it cooks too long, it starts to burn. Unless you keep adding oil or water and eventually it's going to get mushy anyway and it's it's not going to probably be that good. I kind of see, and I know technology is a general term, but I kind of see technology, artificial intelligence, robotics and things like that in a very similar way. First of all, if you don't have the capacity or the maturity or the morality as a result of not having proceeded through the proper channels to be able to develop those faculties, then when you are given advanced by some perception forms of technology, you're not going to be able to appreciate or respect the technology itself which will lead to you perhaps abusing that technology so if some you if same thing with money if i give you and you've never had any you know any money um or you've had some money in your life but if i just gave someone a billion dollars most people couldn't they would they would lose themselves and probably end up dead because they wouldn't know how to handle it right technology is very similar and you could apply that to culture to society or you can apply it to the individual now on the other side of that people obviously like dystopia it's entertaining i i play the fallout video game sometimes i like dystopia a lot of that comes from whether movies or video games it comes from things like for for example in the 1950s the uh, united states government had groups prepare worst-case scenarios for Soviet nuclear 
uh, uh, warfare if the Soviets were to attack the United States. And I, I imagine that what they were preparing was similar to what their plans were for attacking the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union had very similar plans to defend against a U.S. attack. But that, that those doomsday scenarios, um, once they were declassified, kind of became the basis for a lot of you know movies and TV shows and, and video games. So clearly the other end of that spectrum is the dangers of technology that are very far into the most dystopic extreme future that you can imagine from the Terminator, which is a prequel to the Matrix series, for example. Now, bringing that back into the middle, we always have to acknowledge that even if we're looking at things neutrally, there are going to be parties that wish to use technological developments for their own personal agendas or because they believe, and I think it's still a personal agenda, they believe that what they're doing is a positive thing. So developing, for example, um, I've talked to people who have either worked at or people that know someone in their family that work at a defense contractor in the United States, and they they truly believe, and, and maybe they're delusional, it's not for me to say, but they truly believe that building weapons, missiles, bombs, etc., or guidance systems for those devices is doing a uh, uh, their patriotic duty and it's a positive thing and as long as they don't see where the bomb drops and who dies or who it affects then it's out of their hands it's not their problem it's not their fault so there are people that naively or they are delusional or they're psychotic and they want to build these kinds of things right that that that's always going to be there as well then then on the other side of that that smaller spectrum you have people that will refuse to obtain any kind of technological advancement. I'm not talking right. necessarily about the Amish, but right. people like me, I'll take the very base minimum. I've got the oldest phone that I can have without having a flip phone, and that's for work. And I have the cheapest, oldest PC that I'm surprised even boots up. And I have a very small radio set up. And yet I, I do my professional radio show with the with the baseline equipment right. that's just me because that's how we function in the in the nature of the progressive technological development right. so i think i i always like to preface with the details because i don't like to look at things in a black and white capacity and i know that talking points sound better and you know having um having sound bites sound better, but to really fully comprehend and understand something, you have to look at not just both sides, but you have to look at both sides of both sides of both sides, et cetera, et cetera, and remain open to information. So if you have the development of artificial intelligence, and this is what bothers me, when you have the people that are developing it, for whatever the reason might be, and they're doing it publicly at big universities, and you have them saying, in some cases like at MIT, we are developing things that we don't understand how they work, but we understand how to develop them. So we're just going to keep developing them, although we know that these things are extremely dangerous. Well, on the surface, you have a political element where you're worried about, quote unquote, enemies developing the same technology. It could be for weapons. It could be for, you know, anything. 
So you're going to have a moral conundrum that, well, what do we do? Just like during the Cold War, do we stop building nuclear weapons because the Soviets might have more if we don't keep up with them? We, you know, the, a nuclear exchange we'd lose. There's that element to it. And that in and of itself is up for, you know, debate because another country is likely thinking exactly the same thing. Should we continue to build the, these systems? So the point is, with the development of something like AI, why that concerns me personally is because you have the people developing it that are questioning why they're doing it. Even people like Elon Musk has referred to artificial intelligence as summoning a demon. Right. And in, right? Have you heard that before? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's literally he's referencing the summoning of something powerful that you cannot control. Yes. Um, I've interviewed Sophia Stewart, the woman who wrote the original version of The Matrix and and the Terminator films, for that matter. Um, not the films themselves, but the original stories that were mm-hmm. were hijacked. And then she actually won the lawsuits. But the point is, she was we, we were talking about all this and, and about the development of you know technology. And I never thought of this. But she said, well, the Terminator films and the development of robots and A.I., was a prequel to the Matrix films because you've got the development of this technology to to the extreme where AI fully takes over. It's not just Skynet. It takes right. over and build, builds a simulation of, of, of um, the real world. And a lot of people, I'm going to try to bring this around full circle to answer your question, a lot of people I feel, and I know because I've talked to them, and I've also been a person who's thought this before, that apocalyptic events and end-of-the-world scenarios and the development of like a Skynet, let's say, to reference the Terminator, that these things are going to happen overnight and Hans Zimmer is going to have his orchestra playing in the background and in 90 minutes the movie's over, two hours it's over, and it's. but that's obviously not how things work. Things work whether they're planned or otherwise or they're a mix, they, they work incrementally. So when people talk about things like uploading consciousness or your brain into a computer, I talk to people just in friendly conversations. Someone, in fact, the other day I was talking to them and they said, "Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I don't want to want to have my brain uploaded into a, you know, into a computer." And I said, "Well, do you have a cell phone and do you use social media?" And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, you've already started that process. Unfortunately, I have too." the process of uploading your content to the internet and using cellular phones and everything basic all your data everything being tracked and traced and uploaded into a database where you have digital avatars and profiles that's the starting phase that's the initial step so it's incrementally done planned or otherwise or a combination of both where regardless of what you want to do the ultimate end game is the uploading of that information into that system so at the end of the proverbial day something has occurred ultimately which will continue to progress that you otherwise wouldn't have acquiesced to if it happened suddenly but it's been incrementally done so that you accept it and it's very similar to when people talk about something like the mark of the beast or Mm -hmm. you know tattoos and microchips and what you were saying at the beginning of the of the show tonight marlene is that uh, talking talking about COVID 19 and mm-hmm. 
things like this. People are obviously aware of this around the world, no matter where they are. And if people are afraid of being sick or getting others sick and their gener- fear comes from the unknown. So if you're informed and you understand things, People ask me, well, why aren't you more scared knowing what you know? And I say, well, it's not that I'm not scared. I mean, there are things that make me nervous or a little bit frightened, but I'm aware of a lot of things and I've read a lot of things. So I'm not really as afraid because I'm more aware. So if you're unaware and you're afraid of things, then you're going to acquiesce to whatever the people you believe, the authorities, the people that you believe are in the know what they know you're going to you're going to react to that in that in that in that capacity so the, i think the the biggest thing that an individual can do is to inform themselves but to do so through the process of independent critical thought where you obviously are not in just like in a paranormal investigation you don't go in looking for ghost a because you're probably going to miss ghost b and find evidence of ghost e, ghost a which might not exist that's the example i give mm-hmm. I, I guess the point the point i'm trying to get get to is technolo- technological development and leading to th- things like ex uh, machina and obviously terminators and all that i feel to use a line from the uh one of the uh terminator films i think i forget which one it was i think it was the christian bale one the one that was really really terrible in my <laughs> view yeah yeah uh, <laughs> but the AI, the AI system said, you cannot stop me. I am inevitable. And I feel it's not a fearful thing. I, I feel that it is an inevitability that we will progress to that point because individually and collectively, we are not spiritually, if you want to use that word, but we are not. I usually use the word consciously. We're not as consciously aware and in control because we choose to live our lives in a way that is more comforting based on instinct than uncomfortable but puts us in power. So as a result of that, what happens is we allow these developments to occur because we think that more progress, more building, more technology, that this is where we need to be going. This is the end game. But there never is an end game. The only end game is the total reversal and enslavement of all human beings and all consciousness you're either either moving in the direction of being conscious and aware or people might say free or being unconscious and unaware and people might say you're a slave and i think somewhere on that spectrum there needs to be a stopping point and morally we can see that and maybe if we're you know spiritual or conscious we can see that but if 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 otherwise we have to be able to remove ourselves as much from that you know participation although the inevitable will happen but as long as we're aware of what's going on i think that that puts us in power to at least slow down that inevitability which will be a little bit of a mix probably of the same kind of incrementalism where you won't even recognize what's happening because most people don't already well and you're absolutely right humans do not like to exist in a constant state of anxiety. You know, we have our moments of anxiety, certain things happen. But like you said, if we start to really think about this 24-7, let's say something like this, what the impact is of AI, um, if, if it can, would it become sentient? 
whatever the case might be. People don't want to dwell on that too, too long because where it takes us. And uh, also, if you look at and I'm going to, at some point, you know, robotics was always seen as something distinctly mechanical, non-human. And I'm going to use another Hollywood example. You remember the original Alien movie? Mm-hmm, the yes. one where they have a robot manning or helping them man the spaceship. But they're all unaware that the science officer is a very, it's a robot. But, of course, the the, the company that put him there knew that the trust that 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 humans relate to other human like things with an acceptance that normally we would not have had if he was like a robot you know like a regular robot and then it turns out he was you know that's when everybody found out that everybody was expendable and all they cared about was bringing back the alien but you know a secondary storyline was the 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 how robots disguised as human in other words even if they look human they're not human and then sometimes our humanness can be used against us because we tend to behave certain ways towards something that looks like us as we far as ac- acceptance etc and i think sometimes people uh that's that's why or that or the integration and by the way i totally agree i'm i'm not anti-technology there's a lot of things that are very very positive and advantageous to us as far as technology uh like you said there are certain prosthetics that are being used nowadays if you want to look at them as a type of uh technology for people that have had some severe accident that have lost a limb or they have had some type of brain damage but then you start seeing the, uh, what's the message? That you're a better human if you're not totally human. And I think that's where I start having problems with it. Like in other words, that you would seek it out, not as a remedy, but because you're going to be a better human. Yeah, that's that's why I, I remember like four years ago, I wrote my book, The Technological Elixir, two years ago, but like three mm-hmm. or four years ago. I've written a lot of books, but I've only got three published now on my uh, on my website. I do that. I do self publishing. It's even better than a publisher, of surprisingly. Course. Yes, it but is. But I, I was thinking one night. I was just laying down, and I, I thought, I don't know why the words came to my my head. It was like I thought technological elixir, because I always, I've always read about the elixir of life, and you know, people throughout history trying to find, you know, the, the fountain of youth, Paul Stanley on, or trying to find the elixir of life, some miracle substance, philosopher's stone, and in some stories that can provide you with everlasting physical life. But, and I go into this in the book too, one of the problems with that idea is the missing piece to it. And that's the other, the other, um, the other side of the coin per se. If you have everlasting material life, you also have everlasting spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you can live forever in a material body that naturally and organically is going to decay, you can rebuild the machine and you can replace parts, but ultimately it has to die. And having a limited 
experience, whether that's 70, 80 years, or if you believe in reincarnation, you have m- multiple experiences, you have a certain lifespan and your consciousness comes in and it comes out. If you want to look at things from a strictly spiritual standpoint right. and to extend that to the furthest extreme, just look at it. In fact, this would be a really great um, uh, example, I, I, I think, and it would be a great topic for a show just to do a whole show on this that when a lot of people right now first got the news that they'd have to stay home and be locked down and quarantined early 2020 here mm-hmm. from COVID-19 a lot of people these people I knew were excited about that because you know rightfully so they feel work to death and they want some time off and they feel like they're going to get some free money so great but now people that Again, anecdotally, but a lot of people that I've talked to, they otherwise would want to lay in bed all day. They've realized, hmm, laying in bed all day for a month straight and even getting yeah. some mon- money isn't, I can only watch so much Netflix and yes. I can only, yeah. right? Yes. So you have to produce something. People are more happy when they're productive and they're more happy when they're accomplished. I talk about this in the book too. So, if you were to, for example, say, and it wouldn't ever be indefinite, and even the elites like Musk and Kurzweil and all these guys don't talk about like eternal life in the sense that you're going to live literally forever until the sun burns out or until the universe collapses. They're just talking about you know hundreds of years of life extension. Well, most people are pretty burned out after you know 30, 40 years of, of working you know, five days a week. What kind of existence would that be, Marlene, if you just were living for 500 years and going through the same, it wouldn't be an, it would be hell. And that's the disturbing thing because the promise of eternal life is really eternal death. And it damns you to a digital hell with a digital devil to use theological terms. And that is the problem that I personally have with the technological elixir the idea that technology is the elixir of life that can save us from the material decay which is necessary for spiritual rebirth have you seen this show i I believe it's on netflix it's called altered carbon you know what i've five people or so tell me to watch that but i haven't seen it well it it, it, the premise is futuristic you know a little bit dystopian where your consciousness, your self-awareness, you, the you, has been able to be captured in a disc that fits into the back of your neck. And that as long as, let's say, if you suffer an accident, as long as it's not in that area or a trauma, basically that disc can be removed and it can be put into a new suit, a new body. All right. And you wake up in this new body, but it's still you. And the premise is, it's it's just interesting. Whereas if you're... If you have money, you get this beautiful suit or great body. If you don't have that much money, okay, who knows where you're going to end up at. But again, it's the same premise. It's that that desire to exist forever and ever. And again, everything that make life sweet eventually loses its appeal. Because how many times, all right, can you... Can you have experience through your senses, whatever your body is, let's say, if we go with that premise of that show, where it just is like, does it matter anymore? It's like, so who cares? Been there, done that. Kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, 
something as simple as eating. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to go, I, I really love food and cooking, but I tend to go in cycles where I'll, I'll eat the same thing like five mm-hmm. nights in a row and then I'm, I'm done with it for like six months. Yeah, of course. Or that you have a favorite food that you say, you know, it tastes great, but I only have it once in a while. And that's why it's like my special food that I like, you know, there's a certain recipe. and But if you had it, like you said, try eating that for a couple of months and it'd be like, I hate it. <laughs> it's like a lot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I have, and I mean, we could go with that into the, not only fear of death, but fear of aging, even though people are living now longer. And of course, everybody's looking at the quality of life. Uh, again, there's, uh, I want to say part of, uh, depends on the society you live in, but there's also um, a problem with, death how's that death or aging or what happens to every living thing you know you slow down you wind down you become susceptible to disease or just you just don't work as well and it's almost like people don't want to go there uh and by this i don't mean i i mean i understand that there's a behavior or an appearance and sometimes that society imposes on humans like if you're this age, you should look and behave this way. I think that sometimes that's works to our detriment because you shouldn't do just because society expects that that's what you're going to be looking or doing. As a matter of fact, it's changed a lot. And you know, once upon a time, we would look at grandparents and everybody would be like, you know, gray haired and, uh, you know, you know, all rickety with a walking cane. And you look at most grandparents now, it's like, yeah, we're like... <laughs> we're heading down to the keys, you know. We're going to a mystery fest, whatever, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's inevitable, and I think sometimes our society has a little bit of a problem uh, dealing with it. And of course, what comes behind that is spirituality. Everybody's different. You know, some people think that once you die, that's it, you're dead. Other people are not really sure and don't want to think about it. Uh, some people have religious beliefs that tell them exactly what's going to happen once you die. And there's other people that are like, oh, you know, I'll figure it out when I get there. Uh, but again, sometimes I think that that fear of getting old, which of course leads to death, which the, the, there's like that part of that, well, I'll live forever if I can replace my body. What's the best way to replace your body is, of course, mechanically. Um, and yeah, I think that behind the scenes, there is that fear of, you mean, that's it, it's over, but you made a good point, Ryan. I think that at some point, eventually down the road, after you've lived X amount of years, there's a part of you that's like, I've, I'm done. I'm ready now. It's like, right. And you kind of give into it. And the, 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 there's a, there's a really scary element to that. I feel, and that is. Although you and I are, are in agreement, it seems, and I'm, I'm sure some of your audience or a lot of your audience might feel the same way, or at least they see this other perspective. The, the scary thing about it is it's not death, but that it often, depending on you know the, the venue for this type of conversation, it often tends to spill over into things like eugenics yes. and m- movies like Logan's Run. Oh, where, God, yes. And the power in those cases are no longer left to you or me or anyone listening. The, 
those decisions are now left to the state or the, the, the powerful force that dictates your life. And I want to be very clear that that is in no way, shape, or form what I'm referring to, but it's that mindset. It's, the, yes. it's like the last hurdle, I think, Marlene. Mm-hmm. The last hurdle because you, you can cast off the, the weights of the world and studying the things that we've discussed tonight, I just call it occultism, has kind of freed me of a lot of weight and anxiety, and I feel, I just feel calm and at peace. Right. But the last roadblock and the last hurdle before you can get to, to that place, in my opinion, from my experience, is that for a moment, you start to think, well, maybe a demise pill is a really good idea. Maybe... <laughs> You know, having a, a certain group of people that have certain genetics and they're quote unquote superior, maybe that's a good idea. Now, I'm being honest with you, that goes through, that went through my mind, that goes through my mind for like a couple of, maybe a couple months, you know, years and years and years ago. And then I, and then you realize, and maybe some people realize it instantly, it took me a few weeks, a few months. You're like, well, if you want to make that argument, fine, but then you have to put people, humans like you in charge of making those decisions and that doesn't turn out well so let's forget that jump the hurdle and let's just be at peace with what we know and be okay with dying but on our own terms when we're comfortable right well what you said do you remember logan's run they were okay with being snuffed out because they didn't realize they were being snuffed out they thought they were going through a rebirth they right. were being sold a bill of goods. <laughs> Everybody would go in. That's why they had a number like Logan 5, 4, whatever. And you thought you were uh, any minute now because I believe it was that they were being cloned. Uh, but to them, they were just going to come back. It wasn't that they were going to die. They were coming back. Nobody was telling them, no, we're just we're killing you. <laughs> and, you know, they had people floating in the air and then poof, they'd be gone. I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, right. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, in other words, they never really, even then, got the truth of what was happening where they were numbers of humans, of the population was being controlled at a certain age. That was it. You know, and it sounded, what was it, like mid-30s? Yeah, that, it was like 30. That, that was it. You're, you know, after, you're going you're gonna to start going downhill after this. Um, and yeah, a lot of hedonism. You know, you could do whatever you want while you were alive, but uh, basically, it was everything was controlled by I don't know if you want to call it the government or whoever was in charge. Is and uh, yeah, uh, there it, 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 there was always that belief. In other words, it, it, they sold it because it was always not that you were ending; it was just you were coming around again. Yeah, it's yeah. very similar. In a sense, maybe a little bit different to that episode of the Twilight Zone called To Serve Man. Do you remember that episode? Which one was that? I don't know. Maybe I know if you describe it to me, because sometimes I don't know by the title. Yeah, I think that this relates to Logan's run and what you just said, and it also relates to technology and the question that you asked a little bit ago. One of my favorite episodes, top five of the Twilight Zone. These aliens come to Earth, as so often happens in the Twilight Zone. Yes. And... Uh, they come to the United Nations and they bring this book with them and and they offer the, the UN, they offer the world uh, technology and energy and resources to help. And they say that they're here to serve man. 
And so the world basically, for the most part, buys into this and they accept the technology and they accept that the aliens want to help us. And they don't, the people don't start float, floating and exploding and all this and they're not promised reincarnation or coming back. But they're promised that some humans, in exchange for you know the, the deal that the world leaders have made, mm-hmm. will be taken to the alien world and they will be they will be served they will be made you oh know, my like, god is this the right? one with the cookbook yeah exactly. oh my god okay yes i know which one it is <laughs> i love it <laughs> but it's it. a cookbook they're gonna they're gonna kill you they're gonna eat you yeah and that, that, that episode is is just fantastic to convey that that yes. that um that element because and it's the technology you're promised everlasting life easier life technology yes. technology but the people that are giving you that and promising that they're they're here to serve you. They're giving you the AI, the voice assistant, the the cell phones, the tablets, the computers, the internet, the various and increasing levels of electromagnetic forms of radiation, the 4G, 5G, etc. They're there to serve you. It's for faster download yes. speeds and you can watch movies and you can talk to your friends and you can do all this stuff on the internet and all these little tiny devices, but ultimately that's what that episode of the twilight zone represents that many years ago they're going to offer you the technology but the technology is a trojan horse and if you accept it you've bought your own enslavement yes and which by the way and exactly like what you described this was not an overnight thing you know that trojan horse took years and i think it's still happening nowadays Um, It, it is it is yes and you know when you lived as long as and not that that i'm not that old but I, t- I tell everybody, you know what? Living in South Florida, it's very hot and humid down here. And I remember we only had an AC unit in, in, in the bedroom. And at night we would turn it on. And the rest of the house we used the fan. And you know what? I never felt like I lost out. Nowadays I'm a real wimp when it comes to the humidity. But, you know, it wasn't like I suffered for it. You know, like, oh my God. You know, there's been a lot of advances that people think how life must be horrible without this. You know? And I was like, not really. You know, then of course, you know, when we, it's, and it started with communications, you know, when I said, man, once upon a time, you had one phone in your house and that was it. And no answering machines and people would call you and didn't expect you to be available instantly. And you would receive a letter. And, uh, and if they didn't reach you, they'd call back or the next day. Uh, and which I think a lot of, a lot of anxiety is caused by, that we're supposed to be available twenty four seven to yes, I, you, including our own family, by the way. That's that's part of my problem is that I feel that I have to be connected twenty four hours a day, and I mean I I don't even really support the whole technological grid. I have I mean I have a cell phone mm-hmm. and I I use it for radio related stuff, but if I don't turn it off, then I feel like there's always going to be that text or that. Right. that notification and that that gives you're right that gives me massive anxiety and when i get yes. rid of it and i leave the house and i take a walk and i go read somewhere mm-hmm. i feel totally fine like i feel completely at peace it's just this damn phone yes that, which yes. is go ahead no no it's what i'm saying is that i remember once upon a time when we went from house phone to the answering you know those you know those boxy square answering machines and then the pagers, you know, I, yep. I lived through that evolution of, you know, being instantly, gra- like you said, gradually you buy into 
more intrusion, even though it's mas masqueraded as convenience. You know, what if there's an emergency? What if your family member, something needs, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And um, I'm going to give you a perfect, for instance, there was, I want to say, 2005, 2006, I, I bought a car and it was, you know, that, that system, that OnStar system. Basically, yes. it's it's a GPS. It tracks you. Yes. But they sell it to you as in even now, if you have an accident in the in the wilderness, you know, you fall off the side of a mountain, <laughs> they'll find you or, you know, or that you need help. You know, it's of course, it's always the worst case scenario. Okay. okay. But then they, they leave out the part of that they can track you. Uh same thing with a lot of you know those the, the a lot of the uh, auto insurance companies they have those things where you put boxes, in your car right? boxes and they give yeah. you a discount and I'm like you know what they're basically finding out is if you speed <laughs> or if you have an accident whose fault was it were you going over you know like they 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 kind of like give you the this this benefit without really saying what it is that they want. Like in other words, they don't care about giving you a benefit, but that's the only way you're going to buy into it. In other words, that's what I'm saying. The way you're going to buy it. Yep. That's, that's the, the only, only way you're going to allow it. Yeah. And I remember when I got that answer, I was like, "Man, this is the best thing. This is great." You know, it's like, "Yeah, right." Then later on, you start wising up. But again, uh, it, it, I'm going to say, especially um, over, now, people are becoming more aware. But there's like an innocence that people don't see it for what it is sometimes. They don't understand it. They really, really think of just the positive aspects of this process where now all of a sudden uh, you can't imagine your life, like you said, without my phone, uh, God, without the Internet. How's that? Uh, I mean, so many things that we take for granted uh, that you sometimes people go into withdrawals if they don't have them. Yeah. Yeah, we are we're addicted to it yes. for sure because yes. of the mostly because of the instant gratification of it. You know, I don't really I don't really ever ever uh, think about uh, like direct solutions to problems because for me the solution is just part of a lifestyle and that's just not really participating for the most part as much as possible. But I was thinking of a of a solution to the problem of generally speaking collective groups of people that are what you just said unaware and naive right. i don't think it's really trying to get other people necessarily to to realize the dangers or the potential dangers of things in a, in a lot of different ways i think it's maybe more rather than going forward and finding people that are unaware maybe go backwards and find um you know I'm not saying other people's children, but you look at children and teach children how to critically think, which means that parents, kind of to reference George Carlin, parents will have to have their own BS question in the household. But right. children need to be taught how to think critically. If children are taught to think critically and they're taught to think as objectively as possible, there's always going to be a little object, uh, subjective bias. But if you mm -hmm. teach people to think objectively and to ask questions regardless of what the narrative is and regardless of who says it that allows for an understanding that will develop naturally where 
there is no BS because, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've developed, uh, I think, in the same way that a lot of people have developed, and you clearly think very similar to me. We didn't go to the same school. We're not close to the same um, um, in environment. We're not the same age. And everybody I talk to, like you, thinks not the same way because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we disagree on, which is great, and that helps people to grow. But we think in, at the same time, an identical way. And that identical way is, well, I'm not just going to believe something because right. someone said it or because I read it. I'm going to leave my perception open to other possibilities. And that's what allows conversations like this to to um, to transpire because we can have a conversation which isn't necessarily confirming biases. It's looking at all sides of something, and it's not something that we have to. We don't have to subscribe, is what I'm saying, to a to a point of view. We don't have to subscribe to a belief system at all. And I know, and I know, other the other thing about that is, I know a lot of people will say like, "Well, I don't subscribe to a belief system," and then you get into the conversation, they're like, "Oh, but you know, I you know, as long as you believe in Jesus, then everything's okay, or as long as you believe in Allah, everything's okay, or." Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 I like to think for myself, I'm open-minded, but, you know, that UFO thing, that's just totally crazy. Well, then you're not really that open-minded, because right. even though I might disagree with a lot of stuff, I'm still open to the kernel that might exist in the center of the thing that I might not agree with. And it's that level of, not level, but that type of thinking, I think, is the most critical, but because it is critical thinking, that's what we need to do is to teach children that rather than try to teach adults how to see things because the brain like in the matrix once it unplugs at a certain age there's no way for it to survive right. it'll die right and i'm <clears throat> i'm going to tell you you know what part of the problem has become ryan that we are very afraid of feeling anxiety and the kind of thinking that you're describing which is where you analyze and basically vet what your beliefs are on whatever, whatever it might be, anything, anything. Yes. It could be anything causes any, not, not, doesn't cause, but we're so afraid of any anxiety or, or something. Where will this lead? If I really start deciphering and understanding, Oh, you know, that's kind of, and by this, I don't mean paranoia. I mean, people are so afraid of feeling a little anxiety that they just like, I just won't think about it. Yeah. If everybody else is doing it. Okay. Instead of doing what you described, critical thinking, analyzing it, or saying that theory may be a part of it, I understand or I think is valid, but the rest of it, I'm going to discard it. Or, you know, what does it really mean? And people, the people are run away, run away from anxiety and they don't explore uncomfortable things, theories, uh, information that's given to them. Uh, because it's like, I, I, I can't think about that. You know, I, it's just, I, I'd rather be just numb and just go with the flow and it's all good. Everybody else is doing it. And I think that's one of the problems that we've developed, even with the newer generations, which is despite, you know, how they say when you're young, you want to be different, but not really, <laughs> you, really yeah, you want to yeah. be with a crowd. It's because we are so afraid of dealing with anxious moments or thoughts. Uh, and not knowing, you know, and of course, you know, we, then we have, we, that's a lot of times what happens when people get into substance abuse 
or you know other addictive behavior it doesn't even have to be substance it could be any type of abuse which is you know disassociation numbing how people self-soothe i mean that's a whole other show but it's almost like if people would be like hey you know thinking about this or or dissecting it man that that's making me feel like what the heck is this about you know like what it makes you uncomfortable I, but they don't want to deal with it i think there's a, there's a, there's an irony to that because when you in my experience in my just my personal view my experience my perception when you do question those things yeah i mean it could be your religious view your political view anything and i and i always tell people for example i'm not i'm not um I'm not religious. I'm not spiritual. I'm not a, an atheist, an anarchist, a Christian. I'm not, you know, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I don't have any identification yet. I guess you could say I have all those identifications because I'll listen and I'll read and I'll learn all those different things. But I, and this isn't like a rebellious attitude. I just mm-hmm. don't have any, any. Uh, any label that can be applied to me because with a label comes positives and negatives yes. that are just part of the package right, right. so i think the, the the kind of the irony there is that you have anxiety questioning those beliefs but it's it's really a spiritual defense mechanism or for those that might call spirit god it's really a a heavenly godlike defense mechanism that allows you to once you question it and realize, wait a minute, that wasn't so bad. Like getting right. your haircut for the first time, yeah. it's actually empowering because now you can look at what you believe and you can analyze it and you can say, well, now I've thought about it. That doesn't yes. actually make any sense at all. Let me think about it a little bit more. It gives you more power. What's not empowering is sinking into a black hole of avoiding anything that is a little bit uncomfortable which the more you do that the more uncomfortable anything is going to be until you basically sink into what i would call like a spiritual singularity just compressed in this one little spot and not able to step out of it and then you live your life in a in a bubble well and and this is by this i don't mean like i mean some people also can overanalyze stuff. Don't don't get me wrong. It's True. not like yes. I'm going to like every little thing. It's like okay, you you you're getting carried away here. You you gotta live life, you know. But at the same time, when new ideas come about or whatever in any area of life, it's okay to look at it and think, does that fit me? Does that how does that make me feel? Especially sometimes if it comes from a trusted source, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It, can, it can make you very uncomfortable when you think that there's something there that doesn't quite jive or doesn't sound right or like, it's like, nah. Because people are afraid of that uncomfortable feeling. They don't want to feel it. They don't want to feel it. And um, it, that's herd mentality, unfortunately. That's where it takes you. Yeah, you know what? I think that that's, that's part of the problem is the, it's like um, a seesaw. It goes back and it goes forth. And it goes back and it goes forth. It's like a tug of war. And if you don't, if you don't question anything clearly, you can live in the bliss of your of your yes. beliefs and your perceptions. If you question everything, you know there's there's a point where, like with technology, you can question things to the point where 
the basis of of thought and consciousness in a sense starts to kind of break down and that's the best way i think i could explain it it starts to break down and then you kind of create this alternate view of the world where certain things become a new reality i'll give you an example of that i don't know if that's very clear it's it's all this stuff that we've seen with clickbait news, fake mm-hmm. news, and, and all this. Right. A lot of that, I don't think, is a result of people in any kind of media writing fake stories. You know, I don't think it's that simple, writing fake stories for clickbait attention. I think things like Pizzagate to hashtags like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself... I think these are psychological warfare techniques because what it ultimately does is there's there's absolutely piles, for example, of emails. I've got copies myself from WikiLeaks, all Mm -hmm. the stuff that came out about trafficking humans and children, etc. But no one remembers that. What everybody remembers who's either aware or very invested, they remember Pizzagate, Pizzagate. And what people remember about Jeffrey Epstein is not what he did when he was alive, but that he he didn't kill himself, right? So the psychological warfare is creating this sub-reality, kind of like with AI and and microwaves and and the Internet, a sub-reality where your reality is controlled by um, a central source of planners. I would suggest the intelligence communities in terms of psychological warfare that coerce, kind of like V said in V for Vendetta, that coerce mm-hmm. your behavior yes. into thinking that you're like in the back seat of your mom's car driving the car with the plastic steering wheel, but what you're doing is your mom's driving you down the road and you think that you're in control, but you're not, and it's not a game. So I think that's the sub-reality of quote-unquote critical thinking which is not really critical thinking critical thinking means remaining balanced in your thoughts and not subscribing to those sub-realities any more than you subscribe to the mainline reality of what other people determine to be acceptable or the truth i don't know if that makes sense yes but that's... yes of course but again that that's a process it's, it's done gradually yes it is uh, because of not Everybody notices, and that's not what you want. You want it to become part of the norm. You know, another where it's like, of course, and, and then of course, you know, if 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 at any point, um, again, you know, that fear of exploring something that makes you feel uncomfortable or challenges your belief system, or something even inside of you that's saying, man, that doesn't add up. You know, it's like, no, I won't go there. Uh, I, I'm not, forget it. No, no, no. I, I've, you know, I've got to, uh, I've got to go and binge on my new show and whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to think about that. And, and those things are still okay to do. Oh, because yeah. I, yeah. I do that, right? It's just not being lost in the sub reality. Exactly. Exactly. That there's, there's, um, how can I say, those things I want to say are addendums to living, but you got to live. Yes. Not live yes. through, you know, the show that you're watching, which unfortunately I want to say a lot of people do that. That's why they get carried away and they kind of like that, that line between uh, reality 
and make-believe starts to blur and they live whatever they you know some of the things that you see on some of these shows it's like hello do you realize that that's just purely purely entertainment (laughs) (laughs) yes there's nothing that that's like go ahead and try that and see what happens you know and uh yeah but they it's we're very uh human beings are, are very malleable up to a certain point some more than others depending on their intelligence emotional makeup a bunch of stuff um and ultimately though i want to say a lot of these things always go in the direction of wanting to control us as a whole i don't think that they would be going through all the when i say they i'm talking about a who knows the what, what falls into that they uh would not be going through this trouble unless there was an ultimate purpose to it and you don't fool somebody unless there's something that if they knew the truth, they wouldn't be on board with it. Yeah, that's a pretty simple summary of a lot of different things, including, I think, a lot of what's been happening in 2020 with lockdowns and quarantines. And I don't think, I used to think this way, but I don't think things are so black and white, yes. um, obviously, you know. I think that what happens is you have people that view things as I don't trust the official story. I don't trust media, the president. I don't trust Congress. I don't trust, you know, the parliament. So I'm going to believe, I don't think people are consciously thinking this, but it's how the brain works. Mm -hmm. I'm going to now believe anything that is contrary to what these people say because it's the opposite, right? And the opposite has to be true. If A is wrong, then B has to be true, or one, or whatever relationship you want to make. So, I think it goes in this direction to the point where people that don't believe the mainstream narrative believe anything to the contrary. And clearly, there are things that are to the contrary that are far more accurate and and relevant however there are those that want to exploit that and that's where the clickbait psychological warfare comes in so when you have you mention a a they and as in a people or a group of people it's not black and white where you have groups of people in the united states or another country that want to do xyz and then you have other people that want to stop xyz it's 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 not that simple it's like with the u.s federal government's response to what's happening in 2020 with COVID 19. Mm -hmm. there are people that are making decisions based on probably what they feel is is the best decision to make they're under various forms of pressure and that could be anybody Uh, and then there are people like dr fauci and Dr. Fauci works directly under Bill Gates through his foundation. He's the he ran the um, the National Institutes of Health when they transferred genetic, uh, well, it wasn't even necessarily genetic material. They, it was the, they they transferred a coronavirus right. to the Chinese and gave them millions of dollars in a grant in order to study it. Now that's yes. a separate story, but the point is. Yes. Fauci is 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 there on television, and if you watch what Bill Gates says, and I'm gonna I want to bring this around to what you were you were saying, if I can. Sure. Bill Gates was saying we need 
to have papers to travel. And then Dr. Fauci comes out like a day later and said, yeah, we're thinking about having immunity cards to travel. And then Bill Gates said, this isn't going to be over until there's a vaccine. And then Fauci comes out like a day later and says, yeah, we'll need a vaccine before this whole thing's over. Now, if you've got a couple of brain cells to rub together and you know that Fauci is literally working on the on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation leadership board, you'll know he's taking talking points not from the president or from some shadowy cabal. But he's taking talking points directly from Bill Gates. So people like Bill Gates have their own agenda. And people like Bill Gates for decades have talked about utilizing technology to track and to trace people, microchips, digital tattoos, bio stamps. Mm -hmm. They've got so many patents on these things it makes your head spin when you look at it. Now, people will say, well, that's Bill. Why would Bill Gates want to do that? It doesn't matter what what you think Bill Gates would do or what Mm -hmm. any of these people would do based on what you would do because they don't think like you and they're not going to do those types of things that you would do because they're either psychopaths or yeah. at the very least they have a completely different view on reality and they believe that they are better than you they're elitists yes so i guess the point is there are going to be people like that who are going to have their own agenda which will ultimately if they were to get their way result with forced vaccines of 7 billion people in mm-hmm. the words of Bill Gates that in, in the adverse reaction and death of about 700,000 admittedly right. uh, microchips, biostamps, tracking, tracing and you know who knows what else. Then you have others that are simply exploiting which Bill Gates is also doing this but you have people that are just exploiting the situation to to, to whatever their agenda whether it's making money or advancing their political career I feel that if you look at things, you clearly see that too, Mm -hmm. that if you look at things in this capacity where it's not like, oh, you know, it's 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 this person's fault, that group's fault. It's 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 the the cabal versus the alliance or the deep state versus, you know, the QAnon people. That stuff's just meant to pull you into a rabbit hole, a bottomless pit of psychological manipulation and the real power exists when you question every little detail that comes to you, including, you know, questioning your own perceptions and intuitions. That, to me, is the most empowering thing. And that's what allows you, it allows me, I know, Marlene, to study everything from health to virology to technology and talk to people like you and talk to other people who have a similar view although we will probably disagree on a lot of things, but come to the same, which is fine, but Mm -hmm. come to the same conclusions because we're using a similar way of thinking. And you, and one of the things you ask yourself is always why, why? Okay. Because let's say, let's go with that thing of, um, the vaccination, you know, whatever. Why? Oh, well, because we want to help humanity. Okay want to help humanity then why don't you just let the people that want to do it do it and the ones that don't don't why do you have to force anybody right why it's a, why no because no, all right if if you want to participate because you think that maybe having something implanted on you that you know um says everything about you can track you uh and you'll be told hey you know they'll have your complete health they're available so if you ever have a medical emergency they'll know how to treat you and if you have some type of crisis you know whatever they sell you okay you want to go with it go with it 
The problem is, why do they have to force everybody to do it? that that's that's a good point and i always use this as an example i always say and ask a a question some people might actually answer it but i i mean it to be more rhetorical do you really think that multi-billion dollar international corporations that work with some of the most corrupt human beings and governments that the world has ever seen Do you really think that these people who, by any clinical definition, are psychotic, are sociopathic, are eugenicists and elitists, do you really think these people are investing billions, if not trillions, over decades of dollars into systems that will be able to, from space to the ground to inside your body, allow them to have full spectrum dominance over every aspect of your life do you really think that they're spending all that money all that time and all that energy for what my favorite excuse marlene is about technology well if we have more advanced forms of fifth generational technology in particular you'll be able to download movies faster really you think Uh they're spending tens hundreds of billions of dollars so you can download movies faster? That's the best they can come up with? I don't think so. Well, and this is the thing I find. Most people, most normal, have a hard time understanding psychopaths and sociopath behavior. Because if you're not one, somehow or other, in your mind, you can't imagine somebody that has no remorse or consciousness, all the, or conscious as far as feeling bad about something. All they want is control. Well, we have a hard time understanding that. That somebody could actually do exactly what you're describing, not to benefit humanity, but to enslave them. And that's, I think, where some people just, they, they don't get it. They don't, because we, we have a hard time thinking, how could that be? And by the way, throughout history, a lot of psychopaths and sociopaths have gotten away with a lot of stuff because nobody could believe that they could do that. As in, starting with a guy, you know, the people that they find out that he had uh, 20 bodies buried in his backyard. And everybody thought, oh, you seem such a nice guy. You know, I can't believe it. All the way up, we we really have a hard time uh, seeing how people could just do that and not lose a moment's sleep. It's like, yeah, that's what we got to do it. And that's how we're going to do it. And this is is the the plan. This is how we're going to get what we want. And they they have no no worries about the misery it might cause for certain people. That's that's a really great point, and that's exactly um, summed up probably better than I could. That is exactly what the problem is for a lot of us that are curious about things beyond what we've been taught by standard education. We can't imagine why would somebody want to do that. Even when I show, maybe it's a patent, maybe it's a scientific report, publication, something considered respectable and credible, mm-hmm. and people just look at me and say, and they're they're genuine. It's not like it's not like they're denying it. They're just saying, well, well, why would anybody want to do that? I said, well, why why wouldn't they want to do it? Why would they want to do it? You 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 don't have the motivations that they do, so you can't at the very minimal even politically, you can't put yourself in that that person's position. Then when you're talking about people that are emotionally void, empathetically void, 
when they want power and they want to see people yes. suffer, all they can do is mimic that emotion and they pretend to be your friends and they tell you, we're going to give you a tracking device to keep you safe and yes. healthy. We're going to give you faster download speed. And it's like, oh, that's fantastic. I want that. Yeah. And then you allow the vampire into your sacred space and they yes. suck you dry. Yes. And let me tell you something. Good luck. Once it's in, you know, I'm backpedaling on that. Okay. That would be very, very difficult. Uh, something that, that once it's uh, inserted into your, whether it's your body or your DNA or your tissues or God, you know, who knows where cellular makeup, God, it could go a million ways as far as um, that, that, that you can't say, you know, you know, like when they say you like, you make the deal with the devil, good luck. You once, once you signed on the dotted line, you can't yeah. escape from it. I once think you it's something along beast. those lines. Yeah. Once you marry the beast, there's no divorce. No, no, no. And no. once you, once you lose those perceived and natural, and some might say God-given, which means natural, I think. Yes. Freedoms and, and, and liberties, they're not as easy to get back as they are to throw away. And it's no different than money. It might take you 40 hours a week to make a few hundred dollars, but you can throw it away on one night going out to eat movies and partying. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, but uh, again, I'm, you know, a lot of people, I, I guess now it's like, I mean, because now we we live in where where approval and disapproval can be instantaneous. You know, you're under the microscope. God knows. I mean, we were talking about uh, anxiety, and you know, sometimes we have high suicide rates even amongst teenagers because of that constant exposure to being seen, to people knowing everything. Can you imagine if that was the what everybody had to live with under that supervision? That monitoring, because that's what it is. They're monitoring you. Yep, Exp and expectations of what you need to be doing or what you yeah. are not allowed to be doing. Yeah, you, that's another good point taken to the extreme. Yeah. Where not only, I mean, you, you, it's not like people say it's like 1984, but ultimately it's not like 1984 because you can't just hide behind the telescreen to right. write in your journal. Yes. It's, it's in your body, it's in your skin, mm -hmm. it's in your brain, yes. and it's not psychological, it's physical, it's chemical, it's mechanical, and there is no way out of that system. No, no, there is no escape. It's like everywhere you go, you know, there you are. Well, it's there they are. <laughs> but it's not a f yeah. who was it the other day? You know that movie Demolition Man, the one that was, what, what did it come out in the 90s with... Uh, was just of us just alone, you know. Yeah. Where it, I, it, when you came it, out, it was like, man, that's a great movie. And now I look at it, and I go, God, <laughs> I wonder who thought of that idea, man. They were, they kind of were onto something there. Yeah, you can. I guess you could predict future events yeah. based on the progression of technology and the progression of things from from past events. That's why history is, you know, used as an oracle to determine the future. And that's why a lot of science fiction writers can be pretty damn accurate of what's going to happen because you just play it out to its logical conclusion. I count one, two, three, four, five. Well, six, seven, eight, nine, ten are probably going to come next. So it's not really a prediction. It's just a pattern. Yeah, but you know what, Ryan? Historically, people were brought about whether controlled through belief, 
But once you have something inside of you, who cares what you believe? I don't, I don't need your belief anymore. That's it. I don't need your agreement. You know, because before people were led along by beliefs, either fear of the supernatural or powers of the whoever, you know. So people were either afraid or awed or it was like whatever came with it. Once it's inside of your body, who cares? You don't believe it? I don't care. I, st I still have control over you. I got what right. I wanted. So, yeah, I think that, that that's kind of where that, you know, we're at the lip of that precipice kind of moment eventually. And I don't know. I don't know how, how what's going to happen. But there's a lot of stuff. Uh, talk about interesting times. Um, definitely we're there but um, it, 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 it's it's I don't know and, and I hate to say it but sometimes and I think especially with recent events stuff that usually would take years to happen people are realizing can play out in just a few weeks right because that because of the inc first of all the incrementalism of past things allows for the precedence to be set for this to happen overnight and mm -hmm. just like with the uploading of consciousness into a machine, I'm not going to do that. Well, you already did do it if you have social yes. media. You already did do it if you have a cell yes. phone. The proverbial mark of the beast, as Christians might call it, mm -hmm. you're thinking, well, that's what are they going to like? They're going to come up, you know, on CNN or Fox and the president's going to be giving a speech. He's like, all right, today, uh, all Americans and, you know, all UK citizens, uh, you're, you're supposed to get the mark of the beast. And we're going to go ahead and give that out. It doesn't obviously, but I think people yeah. think that's how it's going to happen. Right. No, it happens. It happens like this in New York State. Even though it's not directly mandated, but the executive order in New York State uh, in April 2020 is that you have to wear a mask in public right. unless you're able to social distance. But what I um, what I've experienced at some grocery stores is they've adopted the executive order, even though it's not totally mandatory or enforced as a policy, meaning that you literally cannot go into the store and purchase food. You cannot buy right. in a sense by yourself unless you do what they tell you. If you don't have a mask, if you don't have the mark of the mask, right. you can't go buy food. That's how yeah. the incremental process to that total dystopian future occurs. It occurs with put on a mask or you can't come in here. Right. And if they can make that a policy and people accept it, it's not the stores that are that are the problem. It's not even necessarily the the the, the, the state government that's the problem. Right. It's it's a top heavy, top down system of oppression that will incrementally bring about fundamental changes through the proverbial boiling of the frog in the water. And then by the time you get to the point where you're cooked it was a painless death. You didn't even know it. And a lot of people are just happy because, you know, faster download speeds. But you know what? They also play on the fear that most humans have of being ostracized. Because like you said, it's an interpretation of uh, guidelines versus law, whatever, or maybe not the store. But how many, let, let, let's say that same scenario you depicted there, that you're going to go to just pick up some milk, you know, and fruit, whatever. How many of you think of those customers there are going to be ready to jump on you if you say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to walk in there without a mask? Oh, yeah, exactly. It's Other like, people will enforce it. Yeah. And most humans don't like to be ostracized, especially by other, you know, what I mean, like other humans, like last thing you want, especially something as simple and basic as let's say I'm going to go to the supermarket. 
that you've got these people that are going to be ready, like from giving you the stink eye all the way to even accosting you if they have to because they think they have to because you're endangering them and everybody else, you know, that kind of deal. But, but the, the, there's, a, there's a beautiful element to that, and I think it's a perfect way to wind down this evening. Yes. And that's if you recognize that you as an individual have the ability, obviously, to not acquiesce to that and not be afraid, then what happens is you go into that store, you don't wear a mask. And let's say that they don't, they don't, you know, kick you out, which a lot of places around here, they're not doing it. They're just hoping people acquiesce. Right. But you go into that store and someone sees you not wearing a mask. And let's just, in, in, in an example, right. someone, you know, does come up to you and say, hey, you should put a mask on. You're endangering everybody else. And then you explain to them, no, I'm not going to do that. And maybe it's hostile. Maybe it's not hostile. The point is when other people see one person standing yes. up and saying, I'm not going to do that. It gives them courage to know that it's okay for them to do it because most people, I think, are actually not psychotic and they oh, do course. want to do what's best for themselves and others. But when they see there's another perspective and they see that other people are willing to charge into battle first and have courage, it gives them yes. courage and hope and then it empowers them and then they do it and it inspires others and it grows exponentially. Yes, and I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And let's see, this hasn't finished playing out and let's see where it goes. But anyway, Ryan, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time with me tonight. It has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, we spoke about so many interesting things. And like I said, this is still, especially recent events, this is still playing out. Let's see where this goes, what it ends up being, where it's gonna take us. Um, interesting. I, I personally, I think some of it sometimes you kind of worry a little bit about it, but I still think that there's going to be a silver lining to all of the things that are going on. I appreciate you having me on and we can totally do this another time and look at some other topics. And even regardless of the COVID-19 and yes. what's playing out, the uh, the overall discussion tonight, I think, is relevant for any yes. given situation. Yes, Absolutely. Again, take care and good luck on all your projects. I don't know. Do you have, I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show, but for my podcast listeners, do you want to give out your website address? Yeah, of, of course. Uh, first, if anyone would like to email me, my email is on the site and same thing with my Facebook page. It's the only social media I operate. The email is rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Social media is facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, which is the name of my radio broadcast, about 10 years plus now on air. And the website is the name of the show, so it's www.thesecretteachings.info. So rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and then www.thesecretteachings.info, and that's where you'll be able to find my entire show archive there's a lot of shows that are free but the rest of the archive is subscription based and then of course you can find my three books um a huge book on occultism on the web on the website uh pdf or soft cover and uh, i wrote a book on food as well food philosophy and then the the main book that we discussed tonight was technological elixir that's on the website as well 
Um, I do everything myself, so anything, any questions, comments, everything is done through me directly, so you'll be able to talk to me if you email me. Perfect. Okay. Again, thank you so much, and good luck to you. Thank you, Merlene. Bye-bye. Wow. See the smoke coming out of my ears. Such an interesting person. Wow. Interesting times. Interesting person to talk to about it. Um, is it is. I mean, everybody's like paranormal. Yeah, all these things that <laughs> I want to say. And I think that that's what's happening to a lot of us. It's like, man, I want to go back to like, um, you know, uh, 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 my, my, my rhythm, my, you know, I whatever what's going on in your life, you know, your favorite shows, I was going to go to work, I met somebody new, I, uh, you know, my kids are doing this, I'm planning a vacation, I, uh, all these things that we kind of like go through, you know, are multitasking sometimes too much. I think people like kind of like looking back at this, like, I want that back, <laughs> you know, because I think this took a turn so drastically so rapidly and again um you may think of it well i'm getting for those of you who have uh, been furloughed or whatever the case or you're told to stay home even working from home you might think oh but you know it's not the same as when you're allowed to go out and do the things that you want to do and there's not these this big question mark hanging over our heads like well what's going to happen with this thing is 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 this going to die down? Is it going to come back? Is it going to be worse? Well, I mean, you know, people, um, I think people want to have that normalcy because we are all absolutely, uh, we are all creatures of habit. Even the people that like the non-habit stuff that are like, no, I don't want anything planned. Even then they all need this basis of, and by this, you know, even that, that existence, you know, things happen that are unexpected, uh, sometimes bad, sometimes horrible, but they happen on an individual basis. And you do what you need to do with whatever happens. But when you see this, that it's not just you, it's like a better word, humanity or your everything that's affected. It's, it gives everybody like the surreal moment that, um, I think a lot of people are people that normally don't pay attention to what's going on and at, at this level are actually waking up and going, wow, wait, you know, that there, there's a lot of things that are being defined even on an individual basis. And, and as a matter of fact, I mentioned in my last show, I, I see where there's going to be people we're going to need a little bit of counseling or therapy after this. And by this, I don't mean an extended, uh, you know, therapy session. Maybe what they call brief therapy sessions, maybe six visits, something like that. But they need to speak to somebody about like, hey, you know what? I just went through this experience where my life, within days or a couple of weeks, everything upended. Starting with jobs, my kids maybe not being able to go to school, or even childcare. Maybe I, I could go to work, but I didn't have anybody to take a look after my kids. Or, you know, the parents having to juggle. Who's going to stay home? I can't, you know, you know you, not everybody has children that you can leave at home by themselves. Babies or just young children. 
Okay, and that's another thing, you know, being cooped up in the house. I mean, how much TV can you watch? I mean, tell you something. I remember when my kids were small, and I yeah, there were times where you know, you know, I had they had certain movies I would let them watch, and you know, kids when they're, especially they're young, they'll see stuff over and over and over and over and over again. But there was times that I would be great because I would take them to the park or I would do this because it would tire them out. I'd be like, man, we're gonna go to the park and you're gonna run around and we're gonna do this because by the time they got home, as a matter of fact, they'd be falling asleep in the drive back. What are you gonna do? A lot of people don't even have that luxury depending on where you live. So I think after everything is said and done, I think people need to feel like, it. I, 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 I never thought this was gonna happen. Can it happen again? Can everything change so drastically to everybody like this again? And, and I think for a lot of people, that uncertainty is very frightening. Even if things kind of drift back to what it was before, kind of, people are still going to have that, that feeling of, man, can this happen again? Like, out of the blue? That... Um, you know that feeling that people describe where the ground shifts under your feet? For a lot of people, their 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 reality, that's that's what's happened to them. And they desperately want to scramble back to the more or less what they had, but it can never be because they will always have that that question, Am I gonna find myself going through this again? And it can happen really quick. I know. Now I know it can happen. And that sometimes is a really, really, really difficult thing. For people to wrap their head around and then do what we normally do which is make plans you know go on a vacation buy a house move meet somebody i mean all the stuff that people think of as is rewarding whatever it is that you find rewarding you know we're all different all of a sudden it's like it loses some of its significance because you think yeah this is great but how much of this is like not really this could be snatched away very quickly by one of these scenarios that happened that there was no escaping it you had to for whether you feared for your safety your health the health of your family the health of strangers you know everybody's like huh i'm telling you there's and, and by the way I think this this cuts across the board regardless of what your age is whether you're a child as hopefully that parents would know how to what to tell their children that's appropriate to their age My dogs are having a moment there to whether you're older whether you're middle age um you know what's gonna happen with the economy uh what, what if you lost your job um now am i gonna be able to get another job you know and a lot of things that also come with, let, let's go with the job scenario. Okay. A lot of people sometimes stress out. Let's say you've had this job for a long time and you were comfortable and you knew what you were doing and you knew your bosses and you basically, you're, you've got your thing, your thing going. You had your coworkers. That's another thing. I remember when I was going to work, a lot of the people that worked with me were like my second family. You know, everybody, you had your friends. You know, you shared life events with them. Um, they were there. I mean, you know, you had your family, of course, but, and sometimes things overlapped where, you know, you would share things outside of your work. But even, even if let's say uh, that relationship is only at your job, 
but still that there's 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 this uh, relationship it's not only the loss of the job it's the loss of the relationship of that comfortableness of knowing that you're saying okay uh now i'm gonna get another job if i find another job and then it's like okay now i gotta start from scratch mm, new place new people learning something whereas before maybe you could have done your job with your hand tied behind your back all these things believe it or not and the reason why i bring this up is that your subconscious extrapolates this okay and i'm going to give you a perfect example when i was doing the the hypnosis for clients uh there's people that would sometimes would stay let's say in a job i'm going to use the job scenario that they really weren't happy anymore but they were more afraid of being in something new feeling uncomfortable not knowing you know maybe not feeling as competent as what they were doing even even at times they were overqualified they could have done better but they they clung on to this because this is what they knew now can you imagine being forced into that because there's some people that say hey you know what that's it i'm going to quit my job or i'm going to go apply someplace else i'm going to get a better job and yeah maybe at the beginning i'll have to figure it out and i'll have new but i don't care because i know i can make more money whatever whatever motivates you or maybe I need to, I want to move to this part of the country and that's where that job is, whatever. But now can you imagine being forced into that? Because you gotta, you gotta pay your bills and the job you used to have doesn't exist anymore. So now you gotta find another job, another company or another place, another restaurant, whatever, you know, new people, new ways of doing things. I mean, that, that causes a lot of anxiety besides the obvious one that you don't have a job. Some people say, well, you're lucky you got another job. But underneath it, eventually, by the way, we overcome it. We overcome it. Like, and I've said this before. Yeah, there's going to be a feeling of uncomfortableness because new place, new people, new boss, new ways of doing things. <clears throat> Am I going to do it right? Am I going to fit in? But yeah, there's. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's a lot of people out there that are going to need a little. I don't. You see them back there? Yeah, they're having a moment. Um, that they're going to need and, and, and everybody will say you know sometimes um people will say well if you have a family member or a spouse that you can talk to and sometimes you'd be surprised people sometimes do want to talk to a stranger as in a counselor or a therapist or somebody just because that person doesn't have preconceived ideas or they're almost afraid to saying look i'm really really scared about this or hey i've got these thoughts so they want to be reassured by somebody that's not going to be like pat your hand like a family member oh honey it's okay don't worry don't worry they don't want that <laughs> you know it's great but they want somebody that is not going to patronize you or tell you what you want to hear you want somebody maybe will listen to some of your doubts or thoughts or, or, or misgivings that you have and will kind of help you Find the answer because again i'm going to repeat it that's what therapy does they don't tell you what to do they help you find the answer and you have the answer but that's a whole different show again guys thank you so much for being part of my audience again i've got books out there and you know for those of you who've seen the the slides if you're watching it but if not you can go to my author page at uh, marlene pardo pelister on amazon all three books uh which is uh those are my fiction books the last three have come out which are supernatural horror fantasy whatever you want to call it i don't even know sometimes what genre to put them in yeah they're way out there so if you're into that definitely look them up 
or you can go to marlenepardo.com. I've also got a page on miamigoschronicles.com. Whatever the case might be, again, guys, I've got a lot of interesting guests coming up. And uh, once more, be well, and thank you for being part of my audience. Take care.